0: Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg.
1: And we live in a society like that. Everything that you see, everything that you hear outside of the walls of this church— is doing everything to dull that sense in you. It's doing everything to keep you from the word of God. The word of God is the only thing that will set you free, ultimately. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Jesus gives us his word as a love letter for us. A love letter because he knows what's best i don't know what's best for my life but he knows what's best for my life he knows what's best for your life and he says abide in me and i will abide in you stay in my word abide in my truth these are things that we need to do these are things that i need to do and we have to take it seriously how can i keep it from shouting your name i know
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Truth in Christ. Today, James tells us in chapter 4 that the world is full of sin, and we must not be a part of it. Pastor Rob teaches us that in order to avoid what the world has to offer, we should continue to abide in Jesus Christ and to read our Bibles every day. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, and the absolute truth of which we will never find anywhere else. So it makes perfect sense to follow God's direction through his word in order to avoid these worldly actions described in today's scripture. Here's Pastor Rob with today's teaching.
1: In our Bibles to James chapter 4, James, the brother, half-brother of Jesus, writing to these 12 tribes that have been these men and women who are Jewish. They've been saved. And because of the persecution in the first century of the early church, they were obviously dispersed, running for their lives for persecution from the Jews and from the Romans. They were hated by everyone. And James here gives them, again, this, uh, this wonderful encouragement. And it, it's actually a correction. And we often need that. And let's just read what we're going to be covering today. I'll just read it. In, it says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have, and you murder, and you covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures." Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hearts, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. That's a pretty hard word, isn't it? That's a pretty hard word. But sometimes I, like you, we need to be jostled out of our complacency. And it's very easy to be complacent in this world that we live in today. Because everything is lulling us to sleep. I don't know if you knew that. You've heard of the, the, the illustration of the proverbial frog who's in the water, in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a pan, and he's just sitting there, and the heat slowly gets turned up, and that frog is unaware that every moment, every small inkling of a degree is bringing his death, but he doesn't know it because his body's becoming accustomed to it, and before long he gets to the point where he has not the strength to get out, and then he perishes. And we live in a society like that. Everything that you see, everything that you hear outside of the walls of this church is doing everything to dull that sense in you. It's doing everything to keep you from the word of God. The word of God is the only thing that will set you free ultimately. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Jesus gives us his word as a love letter for us. A love letter because he knows what's best. I don't know what's best for my life, but he knows what's best for my life. He knows what's best for your life. And he says, abide in me and I will abide in you. Stay in my word. Abide in my truth. These are things that we need to do. These are things that I need to do. And we have to take it seriously, really seriously. Because today, there are people falling by the wayside. People who once fellowshiped with us are no longer fellowshipping with us because they found the desire for the things of the world have gotten a hold of them. They no longer see the necess- necessity of gathering together like this. Do you know that when you are together, you are like a bunch of fire coals together? And we encourage each other. But every now and then, you may get this thought in your mind, well, I'm you know, in our rebellion, we go off by our own for a while. We stay home, and we stop listening. We stop reading our Bible. And there, that little ember is getting dark and dark and dark. You ever seen an ember at a campfire? Take a little stick, and you poke it out to the edge, and watch what happens to it. It just grows dark. It starts to flicker a little bit, and then there's a little bit of smoke. That describes a lot of people. But thank God that you're all here. Because we come to gather under the banner, under the love of Christ. So, let's start in verse 1. He says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You know, our hearts are such that it desires natural or material possessions. It desires comfort, riches, security, ease. Pleasure and peace, the status quo, that's what we like as human beings. And it's very natural in the flesh to desire those things. There's nothing in and of themselves that are wrong. But when we settle in those things and we stop listening, we, we allow our ears to get dull. You know, we have to remember that we're in a spiritual battle. And we should not be turning one against another because of our flesh, of these things that war in our members. We are to lovingly challenge each other. You know, James is speaking to this group of people because he's saying, you know, there's, there's a problem with you guys. And this was in the very first century church. Here is a, a group of believers who already in the, in the infancy of the church are fighting because they have desires and wants. And it's all brand new. Everything is brand new. And so God is doing this work in them and they're still growing just like we are. And James says, you guys got to take a look at this because th- this is out of order. You know, we are to challenge each other. You know, in Proverbs chapter 27, it says, Iron sharpens iron. So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend, and that's what we are to do. But that's not being against one another. That's helping one another. You know, faithful wounds the, you know, uh, of a friend are necessary. You know, when you have a friend who can speak to you the truth, that's a good friend. A friend who doesn't tell you the truth doesn't love you. If I tell my daughter, honey, don't run across the street during rush hour, I don't love her. If I tell her that it's okay to do that, I don't love her. But I warn her. I tell her in advance because I love her. And that's what we are to be as a body, to be those kind of people who would warn each other in love. And see, that's the, that right there is the rub. Sometimes we don't know how to do that. And I've hurt many people in my rashness sometimes sometimes but you know what? The Holy Spirit is in you if you're a child of God and he is able to give you that heart of compassion for people and seek that. We need that more than ever. We don't need to be against each other. There's enough against us already. We don't need to turn inward. And I'm so glad that this fellowship is not really like that. There are other fellowships where there's all kinds of internal turmoil and they're falling apart and the people are gossiping and angry and whispering. It's just a big mess, but so glad that you folks... (laughs) Love the Lord enough to realize that this is just not the way to go about things. Take our hearts, and you have. Take our hearts first to the Lord and say, Lord, fix me. Instead of pointing my finger at someone else, Lord, you fix me. You know, when we think of wars in our world you know, that have occurred, it's because there was an individual or a country that desired to take something that belonged to someone else. Or they fight because another country has physical resources that are needed. Or perhaps they have a different ideology or a different religious view that conflicts with theirs. Land and strategic advantage, oil and gas, ideology and religion, hatred. These are the reasons that wars are started, not only on a national level, but also in our personal lives as well, and even in the church. There can be bitter envy and jealousy. But man, in his old nature, he's always thirsting for more, no matter what you get. Isn't this true? I know this for a fact in my own heart. I own this scripture, and so do you, if you're honest. I own this scripture because I found in my own heart I am always, if I'm not resting in Christ, I'm always lusting for something else. I'm always wanting something else. And there was a time in my life where I would do anything to get that thing, whatever it is. It could be the latest gadget. It could be a home. It could be a, a, a Ford F-350 Hemi. Actually, a lariat. Where's Dan? <laughs> yeah, a lariat with a nice fifth-wheel trailer on the back to go camping with. Right? It can be all these things. We can lust for these things. Turn with me to John chapter 4. We're going to look at something. We're going to look at verse 9. Remember, Jesus was on his way to Galilee. And he was on his way up from the southern part, uh, from, from Jerusalem, and he was going northward. He was going up to Galilee. But he told his disciples, I must needs go through Samaria. And there was a reason. There was a woman that Jesus wanted to meet. In his omniscience, he knew there was a woman. And he knew that she would be coming out at a certain time. He knew this because of his omniscience. But in verse 9 of John chapter 4, the woman of Samaria said to him, Jesus asked her to get him some water, and she says, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? That was off-limits. You don't speak to women, and much less a woman who is a Samaritan. The Jews don't speak to women or Samaritans. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? She's still thinking in the natural. It's just very natural. We think in the natural too much, I think. <laughs> and so Jesus said, he says, are, she said, Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But the, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst But the water that I shall give him will become in him like a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. See, she was thinking in the physical, and Jesus saying, if you continue to come back to this physical water, whatever it is that appeases you, whatever it is that slakes your desire, whatever that is, you'll always be coming back. You'll always be wanting more. But Jesus says, the the water that I want to give you is the very Spirit of God within you that's going to come out of you. And isn't that wonderful to be born again And when you realize that God is using you and you have that desire to share and to love people and to do things that are other-centered? You have a word, a blessing for someone else. These things are like living water and they come up and, they, and, and you are the one who gets blessed as well. There is nothing greater on the earth than giving that's why Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive, because when you give, there is a wonderful feeling you have in your heart that no one can touch. And it's good to receive, but it's even better to give. And be a gracious giver, and be a gracious receiver. So many people are so proud in their giving that they can't, oh, I can't receive that. Well, you're robbing someone else of the gift of giving. Receive graciously and give graciously. Amen? I'm learning that myself. But we have a diet problem. (laughs) We have a diet problem. If we continue to fill ourselves with the world's treats, we will no longer have a hunger or thirst for the things of God. You know, it's very similar to our physical appetites. You know, if you lust for hamburgers, fries, steak and ice cream and potato chips, sounds pretty good, doesn't it? (laughs) You'll no longer desire to eat the things that are good for you. It's true in our family. If my wife makes a pizza and she has some sliced vegetables along the side, which she always does, we'll, eat the, we'll pig out on the pizza and we'll look at the other stuff. Oh, I'm stuffed. Right? But yet the pizza and all that stuff, I mean, is it really the best thing for us? I mean, so the, the idea is that where are you hanging out for your sustenance spiritually? I mean, if you need a physical diet improvement, by all means, change your physical diet. Uh, but, however, what's your spiritual diet? What are you listening to? Honestly, ask yourself this question. Don't just let it go in one ear, not the other, but every one of us listens to music. Every one of us watches, I really don't watch a whole lot of television, but some of you watch television. What are you watching on television? Where is your heart longing for? Where is it wandering? Is it wandering toward the Lord, toward his word? Do you desire to have the Holy Spirit upon you? To be effective for Jesus? If isn't that why he put us on the earth? To be examples? To be ambassadors? To wit- be a witness unto him? To be a witness, it says that in Acts. To be a witness unto him first. The investment he's put in us. He's saying, I want to see that investment. I want to see the fruit of it. Am I being a witness to Christ or am I being a witness to this rotten, putrid flesh that ultimately is going to pass away. The world and all of its lust is going to perish. It's all going to vanish, but the word of God endures forever. Amen. Amen. And it really is important. Right now, we need to take a serious, serious look at these things. In Proverbs chapter 27, it says this, verse 20, it says, Hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of man are never satisfied. The flesh is never satisfied. And that's what James is saying to these people. Why is it that you war and you, you, you lust for these things? You don't have them, you can't obtain them, but you'll war and you'll fight and you don't ask. And when you do ask, you ask amiss, and therefore you don't receive. Let's look at verse 2. He says, you lust and you do not have. You murder and you covet and you cannot obtain. You fight and you war. These are believers. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. And what is covetousness? You murder and you covet. Covetousness is idolatry. It says in Colossians. He says, and you will do anything. Covetous is, is when you will do anything or whatever, to, whatever it is that you have on your heart or on your, your eye on. You, you'll do anything for it. And there are people today that will kill you for ten dollars on the street. There are people in certain areas of certain neighborhoods in our country where you'll be killed for your iPhone. They don't care. And they'll sell that for just a little bit of money. They'll sell it for $300 when it's worth a $1,000. they will sell it for 300 and use that money to buy their favorite drug. Life means so little to some people because they have this thing. They're, they're completely engrossed. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, it's one of the Ten Commandments. It says, You shall not covet your neighbor's house, nor covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, his ox, his donkey, anything that is your neighbor's, do not covet. Do not earnestly desire it. And how often do we do that? I remember we were camping recently, and, and I really don't think it. I, it, was, it was kind of funny. The Lord kind of caught me, and it was it was just a fun little thing. It, it's not, actually, not very really fun at all. It, it was... Uh, I laughed because my heart is really not there, but I, but I watched this guy. And he pulls up, and I'm not kidding. It was this brand-new Ford F-1250. I don't know what it was. it was. It was casting a shadow over our whole campsite. <laughs> this thing was decked out with all the stuff, man. A little satellite on top, you know. Pulling this big, big, big rig, fifth-wheel thing, hard top. It had a satellite hookup. I mean, it was, like, crazy and I, f- I looked at that, and, and for one moment, my heart was like, wow. And then and the Lord says, really? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and you know what was even funny? Right on the front of the, of the front of his camper, this huge fifth-wheel monster, the this, this city on wheels, it says eternity. I'm not kidding. It said eternity. I'm like, wow, that's what I want. <laughs> it's, it's okay. It's biblical, right, Lord? It's eternity. Oh, idolatry. But James says, he says, you do not have because you do not ask. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says something really profound here, and really what it's speaking about is our prayer life. You know, you don't have because you don't ask. In other words, you don't pray. Honestly, where is our prayer life? My prayer life is getting better. But I'll be honest with you, it is the hardest thing, and yet it's the most important thing, and yet it's the thing that we neglect the most. But look with me at Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 7. Jesus said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened or what man is there among you? If, he, if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do unto you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And the idea of Jesus' message there is be persistent in prayer. And during that period of time, when you are being persistent in prayer, let the Lord sift and challenge you your motives for what it is that you're asking for, and be willing to change often, because our hearts are often wrong and you know, in my own life, when I have prayed for things that i've really I've been really desperate for, God has always answered and i'll, and I'll not because my heart was right but he answered in the affirmative because i'm getting to the point now where i don't want to pray the silly things that i know i'm just want to consume on my own lust but when i pray i'm asking for things that are really important and i examine why why is it important to me when i prayed for my wife when we were just courting i was praying for her like crazy my prayer life was the best then honestly cuz she couldn't well, I, I shouldn't she you know well, you've heard this before so i won't go there but after praying and praying and praying and praying, God just continued to encourage my heart. And I'm like, God, you were either encouraging my heart because you know that you have a plan and this is going to come to pass, or you're just cruel and mean. I came to the conclusion that he's not cruel and mean. And even though I couldn't see it because there was nothing there, God worked it out. And i would be honest with you, that the day that that happened was a special day. It was May 19th, 1996, Sunday night. I was sitting right here, and she sat right next to me. And I'm like, what are you doing with my head? You know, because she didn't want to have anything to do with me. But the thing, my point is, you know, when you pray and you, and your prayer is right, the, 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 the motive of your heart is right. And if it's the Lord's will, it will come to pass. There was a time when we had stage monitors up here. And I remember one day, one of them blew up. And um, literally, it was when Steve Same was here. And he was sharing... And he was making a declaration of some kind, and he pounded his fist on the thing literally at that moment. I've got the recording. You could hear a pop, pop, and smoke started coming out of the speakers and out of the side room there. One of our amps blew on the back. Smoke started coming out. This started smoking. It caught on fire. So I came up right in the middle of the message, and I unplugged it, and I'm running down the aisle with this smoking monitor. But as a result of that, we had to replace them. And I remember praying for them. And we had the school going on here at the time, and the school was a, a lot of money to maintain. And we didn't have the money to spend on new equipment. And I remember one day coming in here in the dark and just praying. I'm saying, Lord, this is not really, you know, you know we, those monitors were necessary, and we, we needed something, the, the, the worship team. So I prayed about it, and I was really earnest about it. And wouldn't you know, a couple weeks later, and, and I priced the whole thing out. I looked into it, and it was like $7,500, right, for some equipment. And I'm like, well, that's a lot, <laughs> you know. So I just I just started praying about it. And would you know, two weeks later, somebody wrote a check. And believe me, I didn't say anything to anybody because I didn't talk about the the, the number amount, right, the, the dollar amount. But two weeks later, a check came in for $7,500, right to the T. And I just fell on my face. I'm like, Lord, I am a, just like Peter, I'm a perverse man. You know, I was just so thankful. But God does stuff like that. But don't be slacking off in your prayer. If it's something that is is, is a good motive, then, you know, pray about it. Pray about it. Ask the Lord to get you to that place where you can be content no matter what state you are in. In 1 Timothy chapter 6,
0: If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio or sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcast. This has been Truth in Christ.